What is good, everybody? Welcome to the Gold Diggers podcast, part of the Niners Nation podcast network. I am Rob Stats Guerrera. She is Michelle Majuk. Michelle, if you're feeling anything like me, you're not doing too good right now. <laughs> hey, we're both disasters. We both have a cold <laughs> and we sound like it, too. You definitely are like five octaves uh, lower. Yes. What, what I... do I sound like? Do I sound lower? Or am I, you know, am I good? You're you're decent, but I sound okay. like Johnny Cash. Hello. Yeah, you sound like you just rolled out of bed. Yes. And you're like, I don't want to be living this life right now. It's terrible. It's like literally the only part of me that needs to function to do this job. And I sound like walking death. But nonetheless, we are here. We have a great show for you today. We want to remind you, please rate, review, and follow the Niners Nation Podcast Network. It's the perfect time to follow. There's always news with this team. It's unbelievable. And the perfect example of that, Michelle, is the main subject of today's show, which is the scrubbing of an Instagram account by one Debo Samuel, who chose to delete over 80 posts from his account and unfollow the 49ers. We're going to get into that. We're going to get into a little research that you have done, dugging into the 49ers and their ability or inability to protect leads. So we got all that today. It's going to be a fun show, even though we don't sound fun. Yeah, and my computer keeps freezing, so I keep looking at myself with weird faces that it's freezing on. So I'm focusing on that as you talk, and that's going to be really, you know, a fun addition to this podcast for me mentally. Right. I that that just <laughs> makes me feel awesome. But I, I will say the Stevo Samuel stuff with his Instagram, people like think it's silly, but there has to be something to it, right? It doesn't mean he's going to be traded, but it has to mean he's frustrated. You don't just go and delete 80 something pictures if you're not trying to make a statement, right? Like that's the entire point of what he's doing. No matter how childish you might think the route is of him taking or, you know, it, it means something at least. So you just summed it up perfectly. Like I put out a tweet literally this morning before we hit record trying to understand the people, some of them, by the way, beat writers that cover this team that just think that this is meaningless, that think that there is nothing to be taken from this and just anyone that focuses on it is stupid, which blows my mind. Like, it matters. It matters. Social media is a legitimate tool for player empowerment, and it's clear Debo is putting out the bat signal right now. He's not happy with what's going on. Doesn't mean he's not going to resign doesn't mean that he'll never play for the 49ers again. It means he's pissed. And more importantly, it means he wants people to know about it. Yeah, and I think a lot of it's probably has to do with he wants to, I mean, obviously, he wants to get paid, right? More than what clearly the 49ers feel comfortable paying right now. And if they were somewhere close, I don't think he'd be going on social media and deleting his all of his pictures of the 49 it seems like they're pretty far off right now doesn't mean that they can't find somewhere in the middle and agree to a long-term deal but right now i just feel like this means they're definitely not close and you know maybe he does down the road here ask for a trade if he feels like he's not getting respected or getting a, a good offer i think the big situation right now with the 49ers and with debo is that we, we've discussed this. Debo is so important to the 49ers offense, right? The Kyle Shanahan system. I do think he's the most valuable for the 49ers. So what does that mean for other teams? Are they going to give as much in a trade, as much as the 49ers think he's worth? Are they willing to pay him 
as much as the 49ers should. I, I don't know where these two sides, you know, both win here if he ends up leaving San Francisco. Yeah, I think he's better with San Francisco than he would be anywhere else. Although maybe Miami would be good too because McDaniel's there and he would know yeah, how to use him Yeah, but they have Jalen well. Waddle and Tyreek Hill now. Right. Like, they don't they don't need him, so that's not a thing. I I would be a lot more worried if they didn't have those guys, to be honest with you, considering, remember, he put out the video that he was having lunch with Mike McDaniel. Like, then I might be a little like, mm, I don't know. But just like the responses to this, I don't get. Like literally, Chris DeFrancesco said, it doesn't mean anything unless you automatically trend toward the negative, which Niners Nation really does. Like, what is the positive side of this? <laughs> like, I don't, please tell me, how, what could the reaction be to this other than he's not happy? Like, and and people are, are saying, well, what, you're a journalist. Why don't you go out and get a quote from Debo? I don't need a quote from Debo. It's his Instagram account. He is the one that is doing that. Like I, I, people just have an extreme aversion to anything negative, anything that, that makes them sad or that's bad news. They just want to put their head under the pillow and pretend like everything is fine. And it's just, it's absurd. Yeah, I, I do think there's something to it, but I want to get into how important Devo Samuel is to the 49ers and how, like, I think they need to pay the man. And I'm seeing, you know, PFF put out their five-year, $110 million like valuation on him. If they can get that deal done, they should do They should have already done it. I mean, if you can get him for that, what's that? $22 million a year? That That's cheap. That, oh, yeah. That's super cheap. Like, I think PFF's off there. I think he is going to be close to the $28 million a year. And I think he's worth that. This I is where you, I... You I'm don't sorry. agree? No, I absolutely do. This is where I think the disconnect is. Debo's going to say, look what I did for you last year. That's what I can do for you going forward. That's why I deserve $24, $25, 26000000 million a year. The 49ers are going to say, yeah, Tyreek Hill got paid and Devontae Adams got paid and Stefan Diggs got paid, but they had multiple years of production and success. They had a longer track record than you. You only really have one dominant season. We don't think you're worth that high-end money. I think that's where the disconnect is between the two sides. Yeah, but Tyree Kill and Devontae Adams got their big contracts. Just because it doesn't look as big now from when it was a few years ago, they got their big contracts after their initial breakout without proving it. They were still, they got paid as a top wide receiver. It's just now the contracts are bigger because the cap space is higher. And so I, I don't agree with that. And what Devo Samuel did, he was the entire offense last year. 20, or he made up 27% of the 49ers offense last year. That was fourth most <laughs> among all players in the league. Jonathan Taylor and Najee Harris were top three. Those are running backs. That makes sense that they're, they make up so much of an offense. And then Cooper cup was the only guy ahead of Debo Samuel as a wide receiver. He made up more of the offense than Devonte Adams made up for the Packers. And he was the only wide receiver there. Devonte Adams. He, he made up 24% of the Packers offense. He is so important to that offense, it's, and it's like he doesn't need a lot of touches to do it. That's the great thing, right? Is yards after catch over expectation, 403 yards last year, most in the NFL. And when I'm saying most on the NFL, listen to this, right? Cooper Cup was had the third most 
yards after catch over expectation at 194. Mm. 194. And Devo Samuel was at 403. You can combine Cooper Cup, who had 194, and CeeDee Lamb, who had the fourth most, at 156. You can combine the combine those two, and it's still 50 less than what Devo Samuel did. He makes he creates yards out of absolutely nothing, and that's so important to an offense that it, it means that if you have a struggling quarterback, it doesn't really matter. Like he made up for Jimmy Garoppolo not being his best self because he can take you know a, a five yard catch and bring it fifty yards down the field when so many guys can't do that. He's a game changer and uh, you just it's not easy to replace people are like oh just you know trade them and you can get some early draft picks and we could just draft a wide receiver it's not it's not like that it's not going to be easy to replace a guy like this it is absurd the way that's the other reaction that people have had to this the second a player shows any unhappiness with the team at all People turn on him and they're like, oh, he doesn't want to be here. This one person, I saw this comment on Niners Nation. If he really wants to leave, I lose a little bit of respect for him. Like, no, maybe he wants to stay, but he wants to be paid what he's worth. Like, all of a sudden now people are out on Debo. Like, what are we doing here? He's absurd. He averaged 10 yards after the catch last year and his average depth of target was eight yards. That doesn't happen. People don't catch a ball eight yards down the field and then average another 10. Basically, that's an 18-yard gain every time he gets the ball. Like, think about how crazy that is. And, yeah, they can draft another wide receiver. But the odds that he's going to be anywhere near as good as Debo Samuel are incredibly low. And I don't even think he's at a ceiling, right? He put up over 1,400 receiving yards on just 121 targets. Like we saw what Cooper Cup did last year, nearly broke the NFL record, but he had 191 targets, 70 more targets. Debo Samuel was averaging 11.6 targets per game. Like I know it, it doesn't work like that where you just give him 70 more targets, he's going to put up 700 more yards. <laughs> but even if he lost a lot of efficiency, right? You can bring him all the way down to eight yards per target instead of his 11.6 and he still would have beat that record. So give him like, they stopped targeting him because they needed to use him as a running back. So all of a sudden people are like, he's a better running back than wide receiver. It's like he had the fifth most receiving yards last year and they didn't even use him as a receiver in the second half of the season. It's just, they had issues at running back and you have a guy who's fantastic as a running back too. So they had to use him there. It's not his fault that he's, excellent at two positions that's not a fault of his (laughs) that's something that just adds more value to him he actually told Kyle Posey uh the week of the Super Bowl when we interviewed him that he got a little lax with his route running at the end of the year which was a surprising admission by him but I think it's a reflection of like you said he was playing two positions he was playing running back he had other things to do and I would love to know and I don't have the ability to look this up because I'm cheap and didn't pay for the uh, subscription service How many receivers in the history of the NFL have gone for 1,400 yards or more with less than 80 catches on the season? I would venture to say it's not many. And that's what Debo did. And like you said, most of that was in the first half of the season. So, yeah, he's been great as a running back, but he was awesome as a flat-out regular wide receiver. And I just think he's the perfect guy that you want with a young quarterback because he can help make up for some deficiencies there 
Maybe Lance only has to throw him a four or five yard pass and he can break it off for a 15, 16 yard gain. That's incredible when you're talking about an inexperienced quarterback. Yep. And I have that list for you. I just pulled it up as you're talking. What a flex by you. Yeah, I have a great service that I could pull that up. Uh, okay. Steve Smith did it in 2008. Randy Moss did it in 2000. We got some Lance Allworth, 1965 Hall nice. of Famer out there. Don Maynard. Is he a Hall of Famer too? Don Maynard. Yes, he's a Hall of Famer. Bobby Mitchell, Bill Groman, like a bunch of guys back in the 60s did it. Uh, okay. How many? Can you count the whole list? Uh, it was it was 11 total guys. Including Debo? Including Debo. No one's done it since 2010. That was Brandon Lloyd, which isn't like the best name. Former 49er Brandon Lloyd. <laughs> there you go. I will say he had 153 targets, though. Lloyd did. He just only caught 77. So that's not as good as a season. Debo only needed 121 targets to do it. That's crazy, though. Like, literally, he's done something that 11 people or 10 other people right have ever done in the history of the sport like that's how good a year he had last year it's entirely possible that we have seen the best Devo Samuel that we'll ever see and people always criticize me when I say that that's not a knock on anybody it's just that last year was really freaking good I said the same thing when Mahomes threw 50 touchdowns like 50 touchdowns is a crap load of touchdown passes he probably will never do that again that's okay. It doesn't mean he's going to be bad. It just means that that year was incredible. Yeah. And with the money, I mean, people are being so weird about it. I, I do think giving him five years, $140 million, $28 million a year won't look that bad in a couple of years from now. It, it happens with all of these big contracts. I mean, Mike Williams just got $20 million a year for three years. He is 28 years old, right? He's He's older than Devo. He also had only one good year, and it took him until his fifth year to break out. Christian Kirk's getting $17 million. He's done, like, absolutely nothing in the league. He hasn't even yeah, hit 1,000 yards. That one doesn't like, make sense at all. That's Trent Balky. Yeah, but, like, I, I just think even Stefan Diggs, right? He's getting $24 million a year. He's a fantastic wide receiver, but he's going to be 29 years old this year. And he, he can't do all the special things that Debo can do, who's much younger. I just think these contracts are going to keep getting higher and higher and higher. And in a few years from now, it's not going to look this crazy. I mean, Josh Allen just signed a mega deal last offseason. Mega deal. After, you know, one year of breakout, you got to pay these guys, right? One year of his breakout, he was terrible the first two years of his career. I thought he was good, but people thought he was terrible. And he gets this mega deal. And now one offseason later, doesn't look bad. It's like, oh. It's like this actually uh, guys are already beating him guys who don't even deserve it. Patrick Mahomes deal was insane deal a couple of years ago. And now it's like, Oh, they actually got a pretty nice deal out of that. Actually. It's that's what it's going to come down to each and every year. Here's the, the other complication in this whole thing. 49ers could say, if they really wanted to play hardball, they could say, look, we're not going to sign you to a deal, play out your deal this year on your cheap contract. Next year, we're going to franchise you. The franchise tag is going to be around 19, 18 to $19 million, which is under the market value rate for Debo. They could franchise him again, which would probably put it somewhere around 23, 24, 25 million, which would be market rate, probably less than that by the time that comes around because there's going to be other wide receiver contracts. So if the 49ers wanted to, they could have Debo for three more years under market value, then he'd be 29 years old. 
Does his body start to break down because of his physical play style at that point? We have no idea. I, I don't think that's the route the 49ers want to go. And that's but- such a crappy route. Then that that shows right there the fran- franchise tag should not be a thing. We want to use this guy up. He puts his body out there. He kills it for our team. And we're not, you know, we're just going to screw him over from ever getting a long-term deal because we can hold on to him until he's 29. Like, that's disgusting. That's just gross that they can do that. And I, I, I just think at that point, Devo would, you know, ask for a trade, sit, demand a trade. Players are getting trades now. You know, they're able to get out. Teams don't want players that don't want to play for them. And who's to say Devo? I mean, Devo's a lot of his game is just how hard he balls out and how hard he fights for that team. If he doesn't feel respected, who's to say he's going to keep balling out that same way? I'm, I agree with you. Like talking like that makes me want to take a shower because it is gross, (laughs) but it is a tool that the team has. Like it's part of the CBA. It's agreed upon by the player. Like it's there. It's an option for them. And so, I think that's complicating this whole thing too. Uh, the crazy part is like, this seems like it should be pretty easy, right? Like we know that the wide receiver market now is about 24, $25 million a year. Multiply that out for two, three, four years, however long you want the deal to be. And this thing should get done. So the fact that they are so far apart, I wonder what the sticking point is. Probably the guaranteed money. And I say, just give them the 73 million. That would make them the highest wide receiver. For guaranteed money, it'd be $1 million over Tyreek Kill. Just go do it. Get it done. Like, he's too important to this team. And the biggest reason he is so important to this team is because Trey Lance. Trey Lance cannot fail. I mean, it's as simple as that. Trey Lance can't be bad. He cannot fail in this system. It is way too important to this franchise. It's going to set them back for a very long time if Trey Lance is not the dude. And the farthest thing to do to help him succeed is take away Debo Samuel like your best offensive weapon and then also he would have only Brandon Ayuk how many like we we, we're seeing nowadays the best offenses have at least two really good wide receivers they're going to three like solid wide receivers across the board now that you really want he Brandon Ayuk is a I I really like him he's a really talented player but we see all the time Kyle Shanahan doesn't even want to trust him (laughs) <laughs> getting rid of Debo and like I get like you could just draft a guy like no you probably can't you probably right. can't and there's actually people out there who think that the Jets will give up to their top two uh picks their pick four and pick 10 for Debo that's not happening yes if you can get pick four and pick 10 for Debo Samuel for any wide receiver go do that that's not happening Let's talk about that. Again, I don't think that that's what's going to happen, but you brought it up. So let's explore that a little bit. Let's say that because I think what's going to happen now that Debo did this is teams are going to start calling the 49ers to say, hey, what's it, you know, what, what would it take? Let's talk about this. And I think the 49ers might not hate the idea of having a trade offer that they find acceptable sort of in their back pocket, just in case, you know, sort of a break glass in case of emergency type of thing. What do you think is the appropriate value for Debo Samuel if the 49ers were going to trade him? I think they could get at least a first-round pick plus. Okay, but what's the first-round pick going to be? Because Devontae Adams got a pick number 22, and then he got a second-round pick. But that was Mm -hmm. kind of a different situation. He only wanted to go to the Raiders. The Packers didn't have as much leverage. That's fine. The Jets didn't even offer a first-round pick for Tyreek Hill, and the deal got accepted. I mean, They were ready to go if 
Tyreek Hill picked the Jets. It was going to happen. It was two of the top second round picks and then some other middle round picks thrown in there. Mm-hmm. I mean, who's to say that you're going to pick anybody good with those two top second round picks? It could be the Aaron Banks and the Dante Pettis's of the world. You could have traded away a top offensive player in the league for that. Or you can hit on a guy and it all works out perfectly and he's great and you save money. That's fine. But even if you get a first round pick, which I don't think it's going to be a high one, um, maybe in the 20s, if it's the Jets, they're definitely not giving both of their first because they weren't even giving one for Tyree Kill. Maybe it's pick 10. Fair point. Uh, I still don't even know if they're willing to even look at pick 10, but I guess they did offer that for DK Metcalf. I don't know if that's true or not. Which is hilarious because that's actually the Seahawks pick. So if that trade had gone through, the Seahawks would have traded D- uh, DK Metcalf to get their own draft pick back, which they oh, gave up in the Jamal Adams trade. That is brutal. But if they don't get one of those top half of the first rounds, who are you replacing Debo with? Because those wide receivers at the top of this draft, they're going to be, they're, they're going to go fast, right? They're going to go. And there's, I like this draft class for wide receivers. Let's say you get the 10th overall pick. I it's not, there's no Jamar chase in this draft. There's no Justin Jefferson in this draft. There's no even like CD lamb. I think he would be the number one wide receiver in this draft class. There's, I don't even know if there's him. There's no Devonte Smith in this draft. There's a lot of good wide receiver twos. Um, like guys that I think will be really good in the league. I'm a huge Garrett Wilson fan. Like I think he could, he's going to have the best career out of this bunch. So maybe him, but it, it, like there's no guy here. That's like a slam dunk home run hit that you would feel good about. And what shows you with Kyle Shanahan that he's going to trust a rookie out there. He, he hates them. He <laughs> hates rookies. He hates wide receivers that drop balls or do anything that make mistakes. So this year's way too important to Trey Lance, way too important to just give away your best player. I hate the uh, strategy of let's trade a player away so we can get picks back. And then we immediately have to draft a player at that exact same position, because essentially what you're doing is let me trade a sure thing for a lottery ticket that I may not even win on. And even if I win on it, the odds that I win as much money as I just gave away essentially are very, very slim. How did that DeForest Buckner trade to Javon Kimmel work? And oh no, don't worry. Everyone's Javon Kinlaw is going to be awesome now. Hey, you he saved a lot of money. You saved a lot of money. That's all that matters. Right. right? Like, and so it's, yeah, it's again, I don't think he's going to get traded. I do not think Debo Samuel is going to get traded. I think they're going to work out a contract. It's going to be fine, but he's clearly pissed right now. And anybody that says that it doesn't matter or it's meaningless is absolutely crazy because it does matter. Everything matters. Like, oh, God, I, don't, I can't believe this is what we're doing. <laughs> Why do you think teams want to trade for Debo so bad? They want to give up picks and then also pay him. Like it's because having one of these guys is a game changer. It's a difference maker. And they're like, yeah, maybe we can hit in the draft class, but the likelihood of that is not extremely high. The likelihood right, is there's a, a lot of bust in the draft class. Like there just is like the jets really want a guy because they also, they can't have Zach Wilson fail. They want to put a great surrounding around him so they know what they have out of their guy. If Let's say you did trade away Trey Lance and then all he has is Brandon Ayuk and maybe a rookie. And then and Kittle. Tra- 
and Kittle. And let's say Lance struggles, though. Then there's these excuses where it's like, oh, well, his wide receivers weren't good enough. Maybe let's give him three more years. To, like <laughs> you, you push it off instead of just knowing what you have. Like if Trey Lance, obviously you have to give him more than one year no matter what, but two years and he's still struggling with great weapons around him. It's like, okay, maybe he's not the guy. Maybe we got to move on. But if you don't give him these great weapons and a, a good system, then you don't you don't know what you have. And Devo is just so important to this offense. So we'll see where that goes. Um, I think it's hilarious that people just poo-poo this and and want to hide their head in the sand, which is just it's absurd. It's a, two things can be true. Debo can be mad. And Debo can still eventually sign an extension with the 49ers. So let's just relax, but just acknowledge that right now, things in between the two sides are not great. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, you did one of your famous deep dives this week into a, some 49ers stats based on a tweet from Warren Sharp. We'll explain what that tweet was, and I want to hear what you found out when we come back. Welcome back to the Gold Diggers podcast. All right, Michelle, you went into the lab again this week and pulled out some interesting numbers for us because you saw a tweet from Warren Sharp earlier this week, and I'll just read it. Games with a lead at any point in 2021. The Chiefs were number one with 16. So 16 out of the 17 games in the regular season, the Chiefs had a lead. The 49ers were tied with a bunch of teams for number two on that last at 15. So the Niners had at least a one point lead in 15 games this year. When you went into the lab and you dug deeper into that, what did you find? So I wanted to know, like, what were those leads, right? When were they? What happened afterwards? Because, I mean, if you kick a field goal on the first drive and then you end up losing, like, okay, you know, right. that could happen. So I went with games with a seven plus point lead, right? You got a you got a touchdown lead. The 49ers actually had 13 games with a like a touchdown lead that was uh tied for the third most in the NFL. The Packers were number one with 14 games. The Vikings, 14 games. So this is seven or more points. Seven or more point lead. Uh the Vikings ended up losing six of those games. So they struggled. <laughs> I don't yeah, I don't know what was wrong with them. So this is why we might want to get into coaching as well here after I go through this. So the 49ers are again, we're at 13 games. They ended up losing four of those games that they had a touchdown lead, which is losing 31, around 31% of those games, which puts them at 12th worst percentage in the NFL. Mm. And you might say, okay, it's not terrible, but the only teams that they were better than were the Jets, the Giants, the Browns, the Seahawks, the Lions, the Bears, the Panthers, the Texans, the Jaguars, and then you have the Vikings and the Ravens, right? So the only two even kind of good teams there are the Vikings and the Ravens who dealt with a ton of injuries and didn't have Lamar. Like, we already discussed that. So that's right. a bad percentage of games to lose after having a lead. Like, something's going on there. I'm naming a lot of bad teams. I'm naming a lot of coaches that got fired. Um, they're right there also with like Washington. Washington lost 29% of their games. Uh, so you got some bad quarterbacks in here. You have some bad coaching at the top of the list. You have the Packers and the Bucks and the Rams and the Patriots and the Saints and the Steelers and the Chiefs and the Bills, like all really good coaches, all really just like solid teams, good quarterbacks kind of. I know the Steelers didn't have one, but <laughs> uh, but like you have to then wonder, does it come down to coaching or does it come down to quarterback? 
because I want to point out one that was at the very top. The Dallas Cowboys, 10 games with a seven-plus point lead. They lost zero of those games. They held the lead at all times. Wow. Is that Mike McCarthy? Because we think he's terrible. Or is that just Dak Prescott not making mistakes? No, no. Mike McCarthy's terrible. Make no mistake. <laughs> uh, I totally think it's Dak. I think Mike, he's a potato. Mike McCarthy is a potato. I give him zero credit. All right. So I dug into these four games, right? Like what made them lose after they went up? Because, and I do think it's a little bit of everything, but the one constant was that Jimmy Garoppolo threw an interception in every single one of these games, at least one. I mean, in, in three of the four games, he threw two interceptions after having the lead. After the lead. Yes. So we'll, we'll get there in week four for Seattle. Uh, they had a 7-0 league, and then Jimmy threw an interception on the next drive. But Seattle didn't actually end up scoring. It was 7-7 at half, though, so they scored before halftime. And then Trey Lance came in the second half. He did have right. a nice second half, but Seattle kept scoring. That was the game that Trent Cannon muffed the kickoff, which mm -hmm. kind of just sent the whole game in a spiral. So yep. Jimmy Garoppolo did throw an interception there, but... I don't know if that really resulted in them losing that game. I think it was more Trent Cannon, Cannon, the defense allowing Seattle to score a lot of points. And then you had Trey Lance come in for his first play. So a little bit difficult there. I'll give him a pass for that game. Week seven versus Indy. Oh. So they they go up nine to zero in the first quarter. That was with Elijah Mitchell touchdown. He scores right away. On the next carry, uh, Jonathan, or on the Colts drive, Jonathan, Taylor fumbled the ball right away. So that's how they go up 9-0 immediately. You're like, oh, wow, they're getting off to such a nice start. Two score lead. Yeah. Indy does go down and score a touchdown. It goes to 9-7. The 49ers kick a field goal, 12-7. And then Devo Samuel fumbles in the second quarter. And the Colts take a lead on that drive, 13-12. Now, it's still 13-12. Like, you should still have like be in it. On the, in the third quarter, Jimmy Garoppolo fumbles. And then the Colts go up 20 to 12 on that drive. These turnovers are killing them. Mm -hmm. And then the 49ers make it 23 to 18. They got some time to come back. Jimmy Garoppolo throws an interception on that next drive. Indy goes up 30, 18 with three minutes to go. Jimmy Garoppolo throws an interception. That's three turnovers <laughs> by him and then one by Devo. That's all in the second half there. Like these oh. turnovers are killing you. That's like if you the... just didn't turn over the ball, like just be safe with it. You're you probably wouldn't be losing these games. Uh, do you want me to keep going on throughout the next two games? Yeah, no, that has been the hallmark of Kyle Shanahan's quarterbacks. They constantly, constantly turn the ball over. Now, I know Debo had one, and there was a special teams fumble as well, but the quarterbacks have turned it over an incredible amount. That Colts game is the only game I have not rewatched because it makes me too angry to rewatch it because Frank Reich figured out that all they needed to do was throw it deep, and then they were either going to get a catch or a pass interference. And the 49ers didn't figure it out until way too late. It was just maddening. Okay, so that's two games. What's next? So the next one's week 13 versus Seattle. So two of these four games were against Seattle. <laughs> Good thing Russell Wilson's gone. Devo Samuel missed this game. Uh, Seattle scores on the first drive of the game. They're up 7-0. The 49ers come right back, score 7-7. Seattle step up, st stopped on the next drive. So the 49ers have their chance to take the lead. Jimmy G throws an interception on the first play. <laughs> oh, right to Bobby Wagner, right? Yeah. Again, he got lucky because Seattle misses the field goal on that drive. So they don't get any points from it. 49ers go down and score with Elijah Mitchell touchdown 14 to seven. 
Then the 49ers go up 17 to seven. They kick a field goal. By the time we get to halftime, it's 49ers 23 to 14. Mm. Sorry, Nine point not, lead. right now because they let Seattle score right before halftime. So at half, it, right before halftime, it was 23-14, but then right right before halftime, it's 23-21. I messed that up a little bit. So they go in with a two-point lead, but they had a nine-point cushion there that they let fall. After halftime, Travis Benjamin fumbles the kick return, mm. gives it to Seattle. Seattle didn't score, though. Russell Wilson threw an interception. However, oh, that should have been a touchdown, but but their stupid tight end just randomly missed it and it fell right into Kwan Williams' arms. I remember that. Hey, the one time he did something. Good job, Kwan. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy G, though, gets sacked in the end zone, safety, tied game. Then you go into it's, it's a later in the third quarter, Jimmy throws an interception. Seattle does end up scoring on that drive 30 to 23 to take the lead. San Fran, though, I, I call them San Fran. I know people hate that. I'm sorry. 49, <laughs> San Francisco, 49ers, whatever. They make it all the way down to the Seattle seven-yard line with 38 seconds to go, first and seven. You got all the time in the world. You're at first and seven. You have all four downs. And there's two runs with Elijah Mitchell, which I'm fine with. He's the smaller back, but, you know, he's your, he's your starting running back. You got to try to run, and that's fine. He gets four yards on those two carries. But my bigger issue is two targets to Trent Sherfield. Two targets to yep. him. Why? You have George Kittle and you have Brandon Ayuk. You were missing Debo. But at the end of the game, is this Jimmy Garoppolo going to him or is this Kyle Shanahan calling up plays for Sherfield instead of George <laughs> Kittle? Like, I need to know because this is inexcusable. The, this ending of this game, it's either Jimmy Garoppolo not finding his guy and just freaking out and passing it to Sherfield, or it's Kyle Shanahan trying to get too cute and not use his best players. So I remember there was one of the passes to Sherfield. Like, this is the frustrating thing with Kyle is that I wish he would just get up to the podium and say, I screwed it up. If I could go back and do it again, I would do it differently. But he never does that. Instead, what he says was, well... Sherfield wasn't the primary read on this play, but he was wide open. It just so happened it got batted at the line of scrimmage. And it's like, no, dude, like, stop trying to say that you were right. Just admit that it was wrong. It's bad process to go to Trent Sherfield in those moments. The reason you have these good players and you pay them a lot of money, at least in Kittle's case, is for these moments, big moments at the end of games when maybe they might be double teamed. And guess what? If they're as good as they're being paid for, They'll find a way to get it done. Jerry Rice got double teamed a lot. He still got it done. Same with Randy Moss. Same with Tyreek Hill. All these players, like, it's absurd to me that people just say, well, they got double teamed. There's nothing they can do. Like, that just doesn't cut it for me. And uh, it's it's incredibly frustrating. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up, though. Thanks for making me relive that. <laughs> and if he's double covered, you got Brandon Ayuk, someone else that you should be utilizing down there instead of Trent Sherfield. Like, that two targets too. It's not just one happened to go to him because he was <laughs> right. two of two of your only two targets. Cause you ran twice and then you right. threw it twice. Both were to him on such a big moment of the game. That just seems like really bad coaching to me. Again, Jimmy Garoppolo had the safety. He had the interception. Oh, he's Travis Benjamin fumbled. Like again, they lost the game due to too many turnovers. But and see, then you had, 
Go ahead. That's why Debo is such a get out of jail free card for this offense, right? Because normally Kyle could just go up, oh, hand it to Debo, and he'll bail them out because he'll break yeah. three tackles and run for a touchdown, right? So you don't have to get into this. Who should we target? Who's double T? Whatever. Just give the ball to Debo, and he saves you from yourself. Sometimes he wasn't in this game, obviously, and they they didn't get it done. Yep, and that's kind of what Debo did in this game, but at the end, it didn't come to matter. They still lost week sixteen at the Titans. Uh, they took that early lead. They're up mm. 10 to zero in the God. second quarter at halftime. It was still 10 to zero. Tennessee scores a field goal on that first drive of the uh, second half, 10 to three. And then Jimmy throws an interception on the first pass of the second half. That's when he kind of <laughs> got injured. The, the Titans tied it up. Then they took advantage of that turnover. It was 10 to 10 49ers do nothing for a while. The Titans score a touchdown in the fourth quarter, 17 to 10. With three minutes left, Debo takes a short pass, 56 yard catch and run, and they end up scoring on that drive. They tie it up 17 to 17. Debo was the entire reason that they did anything in that second half whatsoever. Like, Stunner. He was doing nothing. And then the 49ers defense did let them down. They let them go down and kick a field goal with nine seconds to go. So it's a little bit of everything, but it does feel like Jimmy Garoppolo throwing an interception or having a turnover or the special teams having a turnover. These were the biggest issues of losing these games. These are four games they should have won. Just plain and simple. They had a very good lead. They and they lost because of turnovers. Four yep. games is a lot. I mean, that's a 14 win season right there instead well, of a 10 win, 10 win season. And don't forget, like some of the plays, Seattle had a seven nothing lead early in that second game against the Niners because they got a fake punt touchdown for 70 oh, yeah. yards. Travis Homer, <laughs> right? Like that's why the Niners have gone so crazy trying to address special teams this offseason because of a lot of the things you mentioned the fumbles, not being ready for, for fake. How punts. does signing Ray Ray though? help the fumbles. right that's what i don't understand the fumbly fumbler right of the fumblest like he's like, <laughs> <laughs> like i don't know how he's gonna help the situation but i do think they added other nice pieces to their special teams yes they they like, did it's not just about the returner like they they have done a good job there uh but I don't know if Ray Ray is going to help those turnovers. Right. And that's why I never understood that signing. Cause literally the one thing Kyle Shanahan wants his special teamers to do is protect the damn ball. And that's exactly what Ray Ray McLeod has never done. It's not like a, just a one year thing. This is a multiple year thing with McLeod and he can't get over it. And guess what? If you sign somebody and think that you're going to change them, you lose. They're not going to change. They're tricking you. Oh, yeah. I mean, he did a great trick, trickster job because 49ers Nation were was thrilled, just absolutely thrilled. I mean, the Twitter sphere was going crazy. Like they just literally got Tyreek Hill or something. It, it was <laughs> wild. Uh, but no, I, I do think a big, you know, what I got out of this is if Trey Lance can be safer with the ball and yep. not have all these crazy turnovers and these really important situations, like if these games were, you know, if you're trying to come back, like if you're down early and you're trying to come back and you have those turnovers, fine. You're trying to fit it into tight spots. You're trying to come back, make these, right. you know, riskier plays. But these are games where you had a really like cushiony lead, seven to 10 points. Like you don't need to be crazy with the ball. You, and these interceptions just, it, they have to come down. Trey Lance has to take care of the ball more. And we saw the same thing continue in the playoffs, right? Think of the game against the Packers. The Niners are down by a score. 
They're struggling to move the ball. It's freezing cold. Nobody's really doing anything. They go all the way down the field right before halftime. And what happens? Jimmy Garoppolo breaks two sacks and throws a ridiculous pass, tries to force it to George Kittle. Interception. Like, crushing interceptions against the Cowboys the week before. What happened? Oh, guess what? Niners are controlling the game. They're up by two scores. The only way the Cowboys can get back into the game is if they get a turnover in a short field. And what happens? Jimmy Garoppolo throws an interception that leads to a touchdown from the Cowboys and lets them right back into the game and led to the Cowboys having the ball in their hands at the end of the game with a chance to tie it up. Now, granted, Mike McCarthy's a moron and decided to call a running play with his quarterback up the middle with 15 (laughs) seconds left and no timeouts. Thank you very much. See, what did I tell you? He's a potato. But these are the the – it's not just that there are interceptions. It's when in the game they come, and they just always come at the worst possible time. So if Trey can just avoid that, the Niners will be better. Yeah. And so after going through this, I feel better about them going into next year. There's still obviously some holes on this roster. They got a long time to fill them. We'll see what they can do in the draft. If they give away, if they trade away Debo though, I am, I'm going to knock off at least one or two wins from their record. I I think Mm. I I don't, I don't know what you're doing here. If you give him away, Uh, I think that's going to hurt Trey Lance's development. I think that's going to hurt their chances of going deep in a really weak NFC. And that would just be extremely silly and uh, stupid. Pay the man. You know, the 49ers have Prague Marate who negotiates all their contracts and he, from everything we know about him, he's very obsessed with like winning winning the deal and the value and not going above his value for any player. And I think sometimes you just got to throw that out the window and realize that the win comes from getting the deal done. And we kind of saw it with Trent Williams. Things were not totally smooth with his negotiation with the 49ers. And he actually called Kyle Shanahan and was like, look, you got to get me your best offer now because I'm about to go sign with the chiefs. And Kyle said, I'll get it done. And Kyle made some calls and lo and behold, the 49ers got it done. I think maybe there could be some of that with this too. Like maybe there's too much of an obsession. Like, well, we can't go over market value for this, that, and the other thing. Maybe Kyle's going to have to put his foot down again and be like, this is literally the exact player I want in my scheme. Somebody that lets me play positionless football. I can line them up anywhere, do anything with them at any time. This is the definition of the kind of guy we want. So just get this deal done. And maybe that's ultimately what has to happen. I, I still believe they're going to get it done. I think it's going to be a big deal. Like, I think it's going to be a, a monster contract. 49ers fans might not be thrilled about it, but what do you care? Like, they're, you can figure out the cap space. It's going to keep going up and up and up, too, as we go along. Like I said, this this monster deal won't look that big in a few years from now. It's not your money. You'll be fine. You'll <laughs> they're not signing anybody anyways. So what does it really matter? And you can play around with the cap space to make things work. This could like, free up cap space because you can and sh- honestly, if they don't pay him right. And they say, say that means you need Brandon Ayuk to step up that, that I mean, you need him to step up, you which I think he's, a, he will. Yeah, he would have a mo- he he needs to have a monster year or else the 49ers are going to suck. If that's the case, <laughs> then he's going to have his monster year. He's going to be in the same exact situation yep. as Devo is next offseason, where you're going to have to decide, is he worth paying top dollar for? Or are you then going to also trade him or let him go? Like, 
it's this whole thing again, and he's going to want to get paid. I get he was a first-round player, and you have the fifth-year option. These guys want to get paid after the third year, right? And they do get paid. That's just and they deserve the it. way it goes. And they deserve it. So then you're going to be in the same situation. Who would you rather trust paying your money to? Debo, right now, who you already know is great, or Brandon Ayuk, you hope he breaks out, and then you have, like, what's the upside there, that he has the same year as Debo, and then you just have to pay him? Like the same thing. I don't know. Seems right. Silly. You can't get around it. You have to pay good players. There's no way around it. And you don't get any awards for managing your salary cap better than other teams. You don't get any awards for that. The Saints destroyed their salary cap, but you know what they did? They got a Super Bowl out of it. It's worth it. Like it, it's just no, like you don't people get way too obsessed with like managing the cap. And what do we do? Who cares about that, man? Sign these guys and go win. Like it's it's absurd. People get way too caught up in acting like it's their money. Well, people also, I think, are really believing that, you know, if you if you get those early draft picks, you're going to get the next Jamar Chase or Justin Jefferson. And who cares if we like if we lose Devo? Because then we right. have a younger, fantastic wide receiver. It's like, that's probably not going to happen. Like, I'm sorry. That's not going to happen. And there's not one of those guys in this draft class. There's and you're definitely not a pay him anyway. Team. If it does happen, you still yeah. have to pay that person. <laughs> I know. Then you have them for three years and then they go like, and then you just think you're going to keep recycling these guys. Like it's not that easy. The only possible thing I could see maybe working out if they did get a trade with some team in the twenties and they took trail on Burks and you used him like Devo, he's like a Devo type of player maybe it all works out and you got a young cheap guy but yeah that's what everybody they're... says now though like debo has a great year now oh this guy's the next yeah. debo oh you could use yeah, this guy it's like, like mm. it's not that easy right and honestly i would if if you're telling me that they don't want to have big money tied up with debo i you can kittle i would say pay debo and trade kittle as fast as possible if you're telling me that's what i have to do i would rather keep the receivers and get rid of the tight end that's just me or you know debo keep kittle and then you're still like, you're still going to draft a wide receiver in this class, oh, right? Yeah. Second or third round, yep. hope that they're good. And then that would be your replacement for Brandon Ayuk, right? You're not probably, you're not going to be able to pay both Debo and Ayuk. That's very reasonable. But the thing is, Ayuk probably is not going to go off with Debo there. So he's not going to be as expensive. Now we've seen Keenan Allen and Mike Williams both get their contracts. They're not monsters, but they're both big. And Keenan Allen's was really big just a couple years ago. So like you can do it, especially with a guy on a rookie contract. It's just, you, you can't let these superstars go for just because you want, you want the flashy new toys that probably aren't even going to be good. Don't be surprised if Keenan Allen gets traded during the draft, possibly to green Bay, just throwing that out there. Oh, I would love that for Mike Williams. Well, we'll see what happens. I wouldn't love it for Justin Herbert. I mean, he's got to be like, no. damn, can we just, how about we just keep our guys and we got to beat the, the Chiefs and the Broncos and the Raiders twice. How about you give me all my guys? But anyway, that's going to do it for this edition of the Gold Diggers podcast. Again, rate, review, follow the Niners Nation podcast network. We are going to be here for you. We're going to have a live Twitter space during the first round of the draft since the 49ers don't have a pick. If something crazy happens and they eventually get back into the first round, we'll go live with an emergency podcast. But then day two of the draft, we're going to have a live show because the Niners have three picks. So we will be there. Breaking it all down for you on the Niners Nation Twitter, Facebook, and Inst uh, Twitter, Facebook, and what's the other one? Why am I blanking on this? Twitter, Facebook, 
Instagram, right? YouTube. Jeez, what the hell's the matter with me? Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube pages. So we'll be there for you as all these picks come in. Michelle, I hope you have a fantastic weekend. I hope you start to feel way better. I hope we both start to feel way better. I'm hoping for it. Have fun, everybody. Bye, y'all.